0: Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, just one of the pastors here at Elevate Church. I'm so glad you are joining us. You could be in a whole lot of different places uh, today, but you are here. You are here, and I'm uh, thankful. I believe God wants to do some work in our life. How many of y'all want God to do some kind of work in your life? I know that I do, so I believe that if we really focus on what God has for us today, He's going to do that. We are in week three Of our summer series, we do this series every year called You Ask For It. We actually give you guys an opportunity to submit questions or topics you'd like to hear addressed from the stage. And the truth of the matter is, we all got questions. We got Questions about life, we got questions about our faith, we got questions about ourselves, even. And so, again, we give you guys an opportunity to submit questions and we try to answer them from a Christian perspective, a Christian worldview, or really in a biblical way. And so, so far in this series, we've looked at the question, uh, Is God real? We tried to answer that in such a way to where uh, if somebody asked you who was an atheist if God was real, you might be able to give them some information that it would at least help them consider the fact that God's, uh, God's existence is a possibility. We didn't just answer that question easily and say, oh yeah, absolutely, God is real. We try to give you some information to really equip you to have a conversation with your unbelieving friends. Last week, we talked about the question, why would God use me. The truth of the matter is there are times in all of our lives where we kind of get down, we kind of get discouraged, kind of get depressed. Anybody, you ever been there? I know that I have. And so there are times, I mean, really every, every Sunday before I preach, that enemy gets on me and says, you're not good enough. And I wonder why in the world would God would God use me? Why would God call me to do this? And so we talked about that. Uh, if you missed any of those messages, you can go back online and, and check them out. Well, this week we're going to look at another tough uh, question. And uh, it's tough. Uh, for me, even as a pastor, see, I know that God called me to be a preacher. I know God called me to be a pastor, but can I just be honest with each and every person in the room? Is it okay if I do that for just a second? Oh, uh, yeah, hopefully you're honest every time you preach, Robert. Yeah, I try to be, but here's the deal. Uh, there are times in my life where I struggle. There are times in my life where, where I, really, I really do. I struggle through some things, and I struggle through some of the things that God is doing uh, in my life and I know that most pastors, a lot of pastors, maybe not all pastors, but there really are a lot of pastors who want to be perceived as being perfect, as not having any kind of flaw uh, and if you ever meet one of those pastors, don't walk with them in the woods, okay? The squirrels will eat them and they might eat you because they're nuts, all right? Uh, where the truth of the matter is I struggle, we all struggle from time to die, from time, to time and so today's topic is something that I really had to uh, to wrestle with for several years in my life. And so the question uh, that was submitted uh, is really the question was like, you know, I know that I'm supposed to forgive, but I'm having a hard time forgetting. And so today we want to answer this question. How do I forgive and forget? How do I forgive and uh, forget? See, here's something that I know about each and every person in this room. I know that each and every person in this room, there's been a time in your life where you've been hurt. Is there anybody in here, you ever been hurt? Just a couple of us. Some of y'all lying. I know every person in this room, you have been hurt. Somebody has lied about you. Somebody has lied on you. Somebody has purposely tried to hurt you. It happens to each and every one of us. So not only do I know that each and every person in this room has been hurt, but something else I know about each and every person in this room is that at some point in your life, you hurt somebody else. I know that. That is a fact. You have hurt somebody else. And so there are a lot of times where someone will come to us and they will apologize. They will ask for forgiveness and we will say, I forgive you, but we don't really forgive them. A lot of times they'll come to us and they'll say, Hey, I'm so sorry. And we'll say, don't worry about it. It's okay, uh, but then you'll see them broke down on the side of the road and you'll kind of laugh that they're broke down and you might try to hit a puddle of water to make it splash on them. Anybody ever done that? Just me pray for me okay i mean it happens right somebody will come to us and they'll apologize and we just won't let it go somebody will come to us and they'll apologize we begin to plot their revenge if we were to be honest we'd have to admit that a lot of us are like that someone will apologize to us we'll say we've forgiven them but what we're actually doing is in our mind thinking about how we can use what they have done to us against them in the future They'll apologize, and we'll say it's okay, but really, it's not okay in our hearts. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three things that I had to learn. Three things I had to learn really the hard way when it comes to uh, forgiving people, and so if you're taking notes, you want to write them down, Uh, the first thing that I want you to see is that it will be easier to forgive people when you understand that God said you will be offended. It'll be easier to forgive people when you understand that God said you are going to be offended, you are going to be hurt. Look at the person sitting next to you and give them them that look like they really just did something bad to you. If you're by yourself, just pretend you're looking at yourself in the mirror. They did something bad to you to hurt you. For some of us, man, it was easy, right? Because we really did get into a fight with the person sitting beside us on the way to church this morning, right? Anybody, any husbands and wives that ever have to y'all, don't raise your hand in church. But you know, you'll be on your way to church. You won't say nothing to each other because you're just fuming over there, right? You're just so mad and so angry. Then you get to church, you'll see other people, you're like, put a smile on your face. And you walk in, let's take a Facebook picture, let's look like our lives are perfect. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You do that, right? It happens. It happens. So sometimes it's, Easy for us to look at the person sitting next to us and act like they did something wrong because they did. Maybe it wasn't your spouse that upset you. Maybe it was your kids, you know. You went in there and tried to wake them up for church. And so you said, hey, it's time to get up. And then you went back an hour later, and they were still in the bed. Has that ever happened uh, to anybody here? You're like, what, why are you still asleep Man, I heard about this mom that went in there to wake her son up one day for church, and the son said, I'm not going. Mom said, why aren't you going? He said, I'll give you two reasons why I'm not going. Number one, they don't like me, and number two, I don't like them. And the mom said, well, I'll give you two reasons why you need to go. She said, number one, you're 49, and number two, you're the pastor. You know what I'm saying? You need to be there, right? Sometimes, again, it's the people at church who hurt us, so it's easy for us to be like that. Well, I want you to see what Jesus says in John chapter 16, all right? Jesus says something in John chapter 16 that you and I really need to understand, you and I really need to grasp. Don't ever forget this verse. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. And here's what I want you to see. Here's what he says. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do you see what Jesus said right there? Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? You might get hurt in this world. He didn't say, there's a strong possibility that it could happen. Jesus didn't say, you know what is probably going to happen. Jesus said, in this world, here on earth, you will have many. Everybody say, many. many. You got to do it better. Many. And he said, you'll have many trials and many sorrows. Jesus said, hey, you are going to have people do things to you that hurt you. You are going to be offended. You aren't always going to be appreciated the way that you feel like you need to be appreciated. You're going to have people lie about you. You're going to have people gossip about you. Jesus warned us it is going to happen. And you're probably not like this, but I am. See, Jesus said it is going to happen. He said it was going to happen. But when it happens in my life, I act shocked. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Why would somebody do that to me, Jesus? Why Why would this happen? And I think sometimes when I'm whining and complaining, I think Jesus looks at me, he's like, bruh, I straight up told you this was about to happen. I said it was gonna happen. The Bible, again, is very clear. You and I will be offended. It's a part of life. Just like you and I breathe, just like you and I sleep, just like you and I eat, being offended is part of life. So are trials, so are suffering. And so some people think, well, if I could just get away from everybody else, if I could just get away from people, I wouldn't have any problems. Anybody ever said that? It's, you know, it's just people. Anybody? My mic on. It's people, right? Right. If we could just get away from people, I wouldn't have any problems. But that's not true because wherever you go, you take you with you. And Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and many sorrows. I don't need people to get myself in trouble. I get in trouble all the time. I do. I really do. Uh, Not too long ago, I was working up in the attic. I pulled a board up that had been nailed uh, down, and so I pulled that board up. I set it behind me. I kept on working, and I wasn't really uh, following the ocean standard. Can y'all hear me? I don't know what happened. That was weird. Anyway, so I was wearing my flip-flops, and I was working up in the attic. And so uh, I put that board back there, and so I kept on working. Well, a little while later, I turned around, and I went to step, and I stepped on that board that had that nail going through it, and it went through my flip-flop, and it went into my foot. I'm going to be honest. I thought some bad words, okay? (laughs) They was in my mind. I didn't vocalize them, but I thought them, right? I don't need people... To cause troubles, I can do, I do that enough on my own. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You cause trouble for, you. sometimes that's how it is. We cause enough trouble for ourselves. So if we could just somehow understand that trouble happens, that we're going to have trouble, that people are going to offend us, if we could just accept that, I think it might help us. Now when it comes to being offended and really being upset and being hurt, there are two types of people, two types of people when it comes to that. Number one, you've got the person, you've got the people who have genuinely been hurt by others. But the second type of person that you've got that exists is that person who just believes they've been hurt by others. Let me say that again. Two types of people that exist. You've got people who have genuinely been hurt, and then you've got people who just feel like they have been hurt. Let me talk about that second group of people first. See, there are some people who just want to play the victim in this world you ever met somebody who it was always somebody else's fault right it's like the woman whose husband brings home flowers you know she automatically thinks what did he do now <laughs> You i know what i'm talking about it's it's the person who thinks man everybody is out to get me why didn't they shake my hand why didn't they talk to me why didn't they ask me to go eat why didn't they ask me to go help? None of y'all probably say that kind of stuff, but I know that it happens. Why, didn't, why, did this, why, why is everybody against me? I remember when I was younger, seven or eight years old, I got to go to a baseball game. I got to go to a baseball game, and uh, when I went to that baseball game, you know what I really wanted to do while I was at that baseball game? I wanted to catch a foul ball. Any kid ever been there? Any adult who? you? You're like, when you go, you want to catch a foul ball. I mean, I had my glove. I was ready for that ball. I was ready for that ball. And so the entire game, guess what happened? Nobody hit a, ball, a foul ball towards me. Nobody. And you know what? I got mad. I got mad at the two teams for purposely. They did that on purpose. They didn't hit a foul ball towards me because they just wanted to make me upset. Anybody ever, ever, you ever had that happen? Some of you are like, man, that is crazy, Robert, that you really felt that way. But the truth of the matter is there are some adults that still act that way. No one likes me. Everybody's out to get me. That person pulled right out in front of me on purpose because they knew they wanted to make me have a bad day today. Has anybody ever say some, something like that? Again, we just want to think, everybody's out to get me. It's all about them, and it might not seem like it, but that type of attitude, that type of attitude is pride. And pride will keep you from seeing your true condition. It, it, it really will. Pride will keep you from dealing with the truth in your life. Pride sometimes causes you to see yourself as the victim, and your attitude becomes, I was mistreated. I was offended. I was treated unjustly, and so I'm justified in my behavior. I'm justified in the way I'm treating this person who I believe has hurt me, and so a lot of times we believe because we believe that we are innocent and that we have been falsely accused. We believe it's okay to hold back our unforgiveness. But remember, pride keeps you from seeing your true condition. So I want you to see this. In Genesis chapter 4, there's an interesting story. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills his brother Abel. They both offer sacrifices to God, and God is pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but he's not pleased with Cain's sacrifice. And it upsets Cain. Cain begins to think, you know what? Abel is just trying to show me up. Cain begins to think Well, God loves Abel, and he doesn't love me. And so you know what happens? He kills his brother. He becomes a murderer. But look at what the Bible says. This is Cain speaking, talking to God. He says, since you are banishing me today from the soil, and I must hide myself from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. And watch this. Look what he says. He says, whoever finds me is going to kill me. Cain says, whoever, as if... Everybody in the entire world is against him. Everybody in the entire world is going to be out to get him. Cain was a murderer, but his pride kept him from seeing that. He still thought he was the victim. He was going to be a victim. His pride made him want to blame everyone else, and sometimes we're just like that in our own lives. We do wrong, but we never admit it. We do wrong, and we never admit it because we hide behind accusing others. They deserve what's happening. And so we blame others. But what you have to know is that even though your true condition might be hidden from you, your true condition is not hidden from God. God sees it. He sees it. And so that kind of helps address the person who just feels like they've been offended. But let me talk to you now about the the first person that we talked about. And that is the person who has genuinely been treated unjustly and the way that i want to talk to you about that particular person is i want us to look at somebody in the bible i want us to look at their story and their story actually covers about 11 chapters in the bible it starts in genesis chapter 37 it wraps up in genesis chapter 48 if you got some time you really ought to read this this guy had a rough time it's about a guy named joseph joseph had 11 older brothers and he was despised by all of his brothers And now, why was he despised? He was despised because his father, Jacob, actually showed favoritism to him. His father, Jacob, actually bought him gifts and treated him uh, different than he treated all the other brothers. I don't know if he bought him a racing camel or if he bought him like this trick llama, but I know the Bible clearly says that he bought him a coat. Of many colors, like a camouflage coat, this 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 rainbow coat. Now I I got a sister, and if my mom bought her rainbow coat, I'll be like, that's fine, man. I'm not into in a rainbow coat. Anybody else? You'd be like, if your brother or sister got that, you'd be like, okay, yeah, you look weird. Just me. I mean, I wouldn't really care. But apparently, this was like Louis Vuitton or something like that, because all the other brothers they get jealous. They get jealous. It sounds like an ugly Christmas sweater to me, but they get jealous. And on top of this whole coat scandal, God gives Joseph two dreams. And in both of the dreams, guess what happens? Joseph is actually ruling over his brothers. Joseph is actually ruling over his mother and father. He tells his dreams to his family, and he's super excited about it. But they're listening to the dream. They're going, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Never. That's never going to happen. And so shortly after Joseph has these dreams... And he tells his brothers and his family his dreams. His brothers are out working in the field. And so Jacob sends Joseph to go and check on his older brothers. And I want you to see what happens. Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 18. Joseph is approaching where his brothers are. Look what the Bible says. They saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, here comes that dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So they take that rainbow coat, that coat of many colors, and they rip it up and they smear blood all over it so they can tell old dad, man, your son got ate. He got got. He's dead. He's not here anymore. And so as they do that, as they throw him into this pit though, they see this caravan of Ishmaelites going by. And I want you to see what happens. Look at verse 26 of Genesis 37. The Bible says this, Then Judah, one of his brothers, said to the other brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. They say, let's make a little money off this deal. Let's get something out of this. Let's really make him pay. And so follow me here. Joseph has offended his brothers with his dreams. And then they decide to betray him, his own brothers, his own flesh and blood. the people in his life who really should be supporting him the most, they purposely do this to him. And doesn't that happen sometimes in our life? Isn't it sometimes the people who are closest to us that hurt us the most? I know it's been true in my life. Sometimes it's been the people who are closest to me who hurt me the most. The people who should have been encouraging him, they're the ones who sell him As a slave. And I don't think we really understand what that means in in the Bible. See, a man's son carried his name. A man's son inherited all that he had. That means that Joseph's brothers kept him receiving any of his father's inheritance. They kept him from carrying on his father's name. They basically blotted his name off the face of the earth. They stripped him of his identity. All that was familiar to Joseph is gone in this moment. Now, I I don't know if you know this or not, but when someone is, is, is made a slave in a foreign country during this time, if they married, guess what happened to their wife? Their wife became a slave. If they had children, guess what happened to their children? Their children became a slave. They would have been a slave until they died. And so it would have been really hard to be born a slave. But can you imagine being born the son of promise? Being born and having this inheritance waiting on you. Being born and just having this great wealth waiting on you. This promise of a great future. And all in one moment have it stripped away from you. It would have been easier for Joseph never to have known what was waiting on him. Again, his brothers do this to him his brothers. Joseph gets sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. He becomes Potiphar's slave, and he he serves Potiphar for 10 years. I, I wonder if during that time, Joseph ever thought about his family and how in his mind, he's thinking they probably just went on with their life. Well, if you know the story, you know that Joseph is sold into slavery into Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife has the hots for him. Potiphar's wife thinks he, he looks nice. I mean, he's a looker. He's tall. He's dark. He's handsome. He's ripped. If I had to guess what he looked like, probably look a little bit like me. I don't know. But she has a hots for him. And so she was always trying to get Joseph to sleep with him and so one day it's just them two in the house and she presses play on her bluetooth speaker and over the intercom system in the house comes casey and jojo playing i will never find another lover sweeter than you and joseph's walking around going what is this this is the robert andrews translation that's how i think it went down and so he's walking around the house true story walking around and he gets cornered by Potiphar's wife and she grabs a hold of his coat and she grabs a hold of his coat because she's trying to get him in bed with her. But he says, you know what? I'm fleeing sexual immorality. And he takes off running. She has such a hold on his coat that his coat rips and he runs out of the house naked. And so she's embarrassed. He has rejected every, every, every advance from her. And so you know what she does? She, she falsely accuses him of rape. She falsely accuses him of rape. so Potiphar throws Joseph in Pharaoh's prison. Now, Pharaoh's prison wasn't like any of our prisons today. See, I've been in several prisons. What, Pastor? You've been in several prisons? Yep, I've, I've been there. I've eaten there. I've been there. See, I used to go and play softball in some of those prisons. I'd play some of the prison teams in Mississippi, Alabama, and even in Florida. And so in those prisons, they got rec rooms. They got weight rooms. They got basketball courts outside. You know what I mean? I, I, I've been to prison. Any, any guy starts dating Brianna or Sadie, I want to make sure they know I've been to prison. I ain't afraid to go back. You know what I'm saying? I've been there. But those prisons, they're nothing like Pharaoh's prison. See, it was basically a sunken room underneath his house where there was no light, no warmth. And those prisoners were put there basically to rot. They were given just enough food so that they could suffer longer just enough food to keep them alive psalm 105 verse 18 says this about joseph while he's in prison they hurt his feet with shackles his neck was put in an iron collar see if joseph would have been an egyptian he might have had some chance of being freed he might have had some chance of being released but as a foreigner as a foreign slave accused of rape he had little to no hope things couldn't have gotten any worse and can't you hear him In those moments, again, this is all my brother's fault. If they wouldn't have done that to me, if they wouldn't have treated me this way, why have they done this? He probably even said, God, how could you allow this? Why did you give me those dreams if this is where you were going to make me end up? He probably wrestled with those thoughts, but listen to me. At this moment in Joseph's life, he had very limited freedom. But you know what? He did still have the freedom to choose how he was going to respond to everything that happened to him. He might have had very limited freedom when it came to anything else. But at this moment in his life, he has the freedom to choose how he's going to respond to what has happened to him. And it's the same way with us. Folks, Jesus promises in this world we will be offended. In this world we will have trials. We will have troubles. We will have tribulations. He promises that... And so we still have the freedom to choose how we're going to respond. And so if we can understand, again, that God said we will will be offended, I think it will be a little easier for us to offer forgiveness. Second thing I want you to see, if you're keeping notes, you want to write it down, not only will it be easier to forgive when you understand that God said you'll be offended, but it will be easier to to forgive if you understand that God is in control. God is in control. Here's something that I've noticed about trouble when you and I are having trouble, we tend to focus on the impossibility of our circumstances rather than focus on the greatness of our God. We really do. When we're in trouble, we tend to focus on the impossibility of our circumstances and instead of focusing on the greatness of God. And as a result, we get discouraged and we need to blame someone. So we look for the person in our life that we feel is to blame for our problems and we want to lash out at the end, Have you ever done it? Just looking for somebody else to blame, and you lash out. We do that. When we face the fact that God could have prevented what happened to us, sometimes we even want to blame God. I can't help but think that maybe Joseph struggled and wrestled with those types of questions. Maybe he said, God, I've tried to follow you to the best of my ability. You're the one who got me in this mess, God. You're the one who gave me those dreams. This is your fault. This is their fault. This is someone else's fault. I haven't done anything wrong to deserve this. Man, we do that all the time. I talk to people who say, well, if my, if my wife would just do better, we wouldn't have a bad marriage. If my husband would just do better, we wouldn't have a, a bad marriage marriage, if it wasn't for my kids, man, and how they act, man, life would be so much better. If it wasn't for the people at church, man, I wouldn't feel this way. If it wasn't for this person, if it wasn't for that person, the list of people you and I can blame and be mad at is endless. But I want you to hear this, and I need you to hear this, because this is something that I really had to come to understand in my own life. You need to know that there is absolutely no man, no woman, no child, not even a devil who can get you out of the will of God's, God of God's will for your life. There's absolutely no person, no, no being that can get you out of the will of God for your life. No one holds your destiny but God. Think about this. Joseph's brothers tried to kill him. They tried to destroy the vision that God gave him. They thought things were over for Joseph. Remember what Genesis thirty-seven twenty says? The Bible says this, Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We'll say a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So, Joseph's brothers wanted to destroy him. They, they were deliberate. They, they didn't want him to have any chance to succeed. So think about this. When they sold Joseph as a slave, do you think God the Father looked at God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and said, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? Joseph's brothers have really messed up our plan. What are we going to do? Do you think God was freaking out? You think that was happening? That, that's not what was happening. I mean, it'd be weird to think that God thought that way, but apparently sometimes when things go wrong in our life, we actually think that's how God is acting. At least that's the way that we respond leads me to believe that. But I don't know what, like the Holy Spirit looks at somebody and says, man, holy, God, what are we going to do? God the Father, what are we going to do? Man, Kenny is single, he's 40. It's because somebody lied on him and made him break up with his girlfriend. Is there somebody else we can send his way? God doesn't act like that. God knows all things. He knows all things. It's crazy to think again that God acts like that. But the way we react insinuates that that's what we think God does. See, if Joseph was like a whole lot of church people, he have said, man, I can't wait to get my hands on them. I can't wait to get my hands on my brothers. I'll kill them. But think about this. If Joseph would have gotten out of prison with that mentality, and really, really, when he had gotten out of prison, had that motive that he was going to kill his brothers, even if we would say, man, he was justified. And uh, think about what that meant if he would have killed his brothers. He would have killed all the leaders of the tribes of Israel. One of those leaders would have been Judah, who out of Judah comes the lineage of Christ. See, it's easier to forgive when we realize, again, that God is in control. It's easier to forgive when we understand that, you know, God said we're going to be offended. Then one more real quick that I want you to see. Another reason why it's easier for us to forgive is when we understand that God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Tell the person sitting next to you, God always got a plan. He's always got a plan. Joseph is sitting in prison. And two prisoners that are there with him have dreams. And so Joseph interprets their dreams, and he gives one a favorable interpretation and one a not-so-favorable interpretation. But he interprets those dreams with amazing accuracy, and one of the guys dies, and one of the guys is set free. And so Joseph says to the guy who gets set free, don't forget me, remember me, try to help me get out of this prison. But you know what happens? The guy forgets about him for two years. It's another opportunity for Joseph to feel like, man, I've just been hurt. Another opportunity for him to just say, I'm offended. He could have said any sorts of things like, man, I helped that guy. Why why did I help that guy? He's not here helping me. Well, what happens is Pharaoh eventually has a dream. And so that guy that Joseph did interpret dream for favorably says, Pharaoh, it just came to me. There's this guy in prison that I met in prison who interpreted my dream. And man, he was right on the money. You might want to call him up and get him to see if he can interpret your dream now. And so Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. He is promoted to be second in command in the whole kingdom. And Joseph helps Egypt prepare for a severe famine. As his dreams, this dream that God gave him so many years ago, finally comes true. So the famine is so severe, though, that people from all over come to Egypt. People from all over go to Egypt to get grain including joseph's brothers now so many years have passed that joseph's brothers don't recognize him because at this moment joseph is wearing egyptian clothing he's learned to speak egyptian he's he's speaking different he looks different they don't recognize him but he recognizes them and man don't you know that at this moment if joseph would have held anything in his heart any sort of evil towards those people who hurt him, man, this was his moment to get vengeance. I mean, he could have had them thrown in prison. He could have had them tortured. He could have had them killed. He could have had whatever he wanted to done to them done. And nobody would have questioned him because he was second in command. But is that what Joseph did? No. And that is how I want to answer the second part of the question. How do I forgive and forget? How do I forgive and forget? Yes, it's hard to forgive, but it's possible. Especially if you will understand the things that we've talked about so far. It's hard to forgive. It's possible. But what I want you to know is that it's even harder to forget. See, you and I don't have the divine quality that God has. When we sin, when you sin, when I sin, when we sin, and we sin against God, which is what all sin is, is it's a sin against the Father, when we sin and we ask God for forgiveness, and we repent, Hebrews chapter eight verse 12 tells us what God does. He says, "For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember." their sins no more. Man, if you are a believer, aren't you glad that God doesn't remember your sins anymore? Aren't you, for, aren't you thankful for God's forgetfulness? Man, I'm thankful He separates my sin as far as the east is from the west from me. I'm thankful He throws my sin into the sea of forgetfulness. I am thankful that God has that divine quality. He forgets. But when people sin against us, when they hurt us, a lot of times we won't forget that hurt. See, folks, I've been hurt by people. I'm talking about severe hurt. I'm talking about soul-crushing hurt. I've been hurt so bad that it took me days to get out of the bed. Years ago, I was hurt so bad that I had to seek counseling. Years ago, I was, I was so hurt, man, that I, I didn't know what to do. Hurt just messed me up. And I've forgiven the people who hurt me, but I haven't forgotten. I want to, but I haven't forgotten. And what I'm saying is you will probably never forget the hurt that people have done to you. Joseph didn't forget the hurt that his brothers did to him. I can can prove that to you. In Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, and now don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Y'all see that? What did Joseph do right there? He, he, His brothers remember the hurt they caused and Joseph reminds them of the hurt that they did to him. He says, and now don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Who did Joseph say sent him ahead to Egypt to preserve life? Did Joseph say, it's you guys sold me into slavery? Or did he say, God sent me ahead to preserve life. He said, God. Again, no man, no woman, no child, no devil can supersede God's plan for your life. When bad things happen, God's not going, I can. what am I going to do next? If we could really understand that, I believe it would set us free. See, there's only one person who can get you out of the will of God for your life, and that's you. It's you. Joseph remembered the hurt that his brothers caused him, and he has a chance to get even. He has a chance to get even. But you know what he does to his brothers? You know what he does to these people who caused him so much hurt and so much pain? He treats them kindly. He gives them grain free of charge. He invites them to come back and live off the fat of the land, the best of the land. Joseph ends up blessing the very people who cursed him. He ends up blessing the people who really tried to kill him. He blesses the people who caused him so much hurt and so much pain. How was he able to do that? Because he truly forgave. And how was he able to forgive? I think it's because he knew that he was going to experience hurt in this world. I think it's because he knew that God is always in control. And I think it was because he knew that God always has a plan. If we could grasp those three things, it would make forgiveness so much easier in our life. See, I'm wrapping up, but here's the deal. When we've been wronged and when we've been hurt, and when we've experienced pain and we want to retaliate, we want to seek vengeance, we got to understand what's happening to us. It's in those moments that we're actually being refined, being refined. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, God, the word of God says this, Lord, I have, look, I have revived you, refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. See, when gold is being refined, the very first thing that happens to it is it's crushed into a powder. It's crushed into... A powder and it's mixed with something called flux. Then you put that mixture into a furnace and you melt it with intense heat. The impurities of the gold are drawn to that flux and they rise to the surface while the pure gold goes to the bottom and you are able to collect the impurities in something called dross. You remove that so that you have a pure metal. See, you might look at a piece of gold and think that it's pure. But if it hasn't been through the refining process, it still has impurities and imperfections. You might not can see them, but they're still there. And it's the same way for you, and it's the same way for me. Unless we allow ourselves to be refined in the furnace of affliction, in the furnace of hurt, in the furnace of pain unless we allow ourselves to be refined those impurities that God wants out of us they're going to remain we might not see them but God sees them so the next time you're wronged or the next time I'm wronged maybe it'll be easier for us to forgive if we understand that God is just refining us and maybe it'll be easier to understand and to forgive if we realize that God said we're going to be hurt And maybe it'll be easier to forgive if we understand that God is still in control and that God still has a plan. We're supposed to forgive, even though it's hard. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I want to do two things. First off, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and maybe you realize that you've been living your life rough you've been living your life in sin and you think that there's no way that God could forgive you I want you to know that that's not true Jesus washed the very feet of Judas who betrayed him. As Jesus hung on Calvary's cross and he was mocked, people threw rocks at him, people poked him with sticks. He cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want you to know today that God wants to forgive you. He wants to give you new life, and if you know today that that's what needs to happen for you, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You pray this prayer, Father. Today, I confess my sin to you. I need your forgiveness, Father. I pray that you would mold me into a new person. I don't want to be that old me. I don't want to be a better version of the old me. I want to be a new being. And so today I confess you as Lord and I confess you as Savior. And I thank you for saving me. Now help me live my life as your follower to the best of my ability again our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed but if you if you prayed to receive christ to become a christian today right where you are would you do me a favor and just lift your hand you pray to be forgiven today your sins Amen. amen 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 father i thank you for new life today God I know also that as believers sometimes we carry around the weight of unforgiveness Father sometimes it's hard for us to let the hurt go that we've experienced from others and so I wonder today if you came in here carrying some hurt Carrying some hurt that you just can't seem to let go of. Carrying some hurt that just seems to really weigh you down. I'm talking about genuine hurt. If you're here today and you want to let let go of that, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You just raise your hand too. Amen. Amen. A lot of hands. Amen. 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 Father, today I want to pray for these who have raised their hands, indicating there's some hurt in their life that they want to let go of father I pray that each and every one of us would be willing to set that hurt down father even if it's great hurt severe hurt father help us to set that hurt at your feet and lift our heads and look to you father I pray that it's in your presence that the impossibility of our situation and the impossibility of our circumstances would disappear in light of how great you are. Father, I pray they will walk out of here with this weight lifted off of our shoulders. Father, I pray that we will be forgiving people. Father, because that's really the key to being forgiven by you. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.